Hello and welcome to Pelvic Floor at its Core, the only podcast out there that is brought to you by a women's health technology company, Flight Therapy. I'm your host, Shravya Cavella, Pelvic Health Physical Therapist and Business Development Manager at Flight Therapy. Find us at www.flighttherapy.com for educational articles, videos, and our free Ask a PT program. You can learn more about how flight can improve pelvic floor muscle tone, strength, and stress urinary incontinence when used for five minutes per day for an average of six weeks if dealing with pelvic floor weakness. We have a unique approach at Flight. We believe our product Flight can provide life-changing outcomes, but we also know that no single treatment is right for everyone. We are therefore working hard to increase the collective knowledge out there about the importance of the pelvic floor. Because the more we work together, the more we can work towards increasing access to pelvic health care so all women can truly live their best lives. On this podcast, I bring on pelvic health experts to talk about a variety of topics that any and every woman and clinician can relate to and learn from. It's always informative always interesting, and we always have fun. So let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pelvic Floor at its Core. Shravya here with our guest today, Mari Rellin. Mari is the founder of Body Conceptions, a dance-inspired cardio and sculpting method and fitness studio. They have locations in New York, Colorado, California, and even have virtual and on-demand options as well. Mari is a former professional dancer, super cool. She spent 12 years dancing around the world, and this is what fueled her passion for fitness. She spent years working as a trainer in the fitness industry, and that's where she started noticing big gaps in fitness solutions for women going through very significant life events and changes. And so she did something about it. She created her own dance-inspired method with the aim to provide women with the most intelligent, personalized, and joyful fitness experience possible, which all sounds pretty amazing. Mari's design includes using research to understand what women need in various stages of their life. So that may be prenatal, postpartum, perimenopausal, or even during their drum roll, please, for today's topic, fertility journeys, because Mari is so hugely passionate about supporting women throughout their fertility journeys, and she individually caters to this goal in some of her clients' exercise sessions. And we talk about what the guidelines and research say, we talk about when and what not to care about these guidelines, and how to implement them into your exercise routine, and should you implement them. So this is a really great episode. I'm so excited that Mari reached out about this topic and we can shine a light on fertility because it's something that we should all really be talking more about. So I hope you all enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Hi, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Of course. This is a really exciting topic. I think it's something that a lot of people really don't know about. So when I heard that you have an interest in fitness and fertility and how the two impact each other, I was just like, we have to bring this onto the podcast because this is something that more people should know about. So 
I am going to jump right into it because we've got a lot to cover in a short period of time. So my first question is going to be a challenging one, but just to start us off, like let's start really broad. What are the top three things you would want someone to know about how exercise impacts fertility? And like, what should someone know during their trying to conceive journey? Yeah, these, this is a really, really good question. And yes, it is broad as well. Yes, I do want to agree. It's, it's a topic that's really interesting and concerning for so many people right now. So I just wanted to say that first before answering your questions, that what I'm about to tell you is kind of, you know, based on what we know now. And there's also going to be more and more information that comes out about it because it is becoming more of a big topic for women. I would normally say, first off, you're going to want to talk to your doctor. So um, every single person is different and your doctor will know you specifically. So we have looked at the research in general and there's not a lot out there. So what I'm also going to tell you is based on what the research has found, but more importantly, your doctor will know you as a particular person. So their recommendations for you related to exercise is going to be based on what they know about you. And a lot of times what we like to do is talk to doctors as well, if there is permission to do so, or at least send questions through someone to their doctor so that we know specifically what they should be doing. So I wanted to start with that. The second one is generally the research has found that if you are a person that does really high intensity exercise or a lot of cardio, you might think about moderating that exercise. So they have found that the outcomes are better when you become a little bit more moderate, meaning you're not doing quite so much cardio, quite so high intensity. In general, that seems to be have a big impact on cortisol levels, so stress to the body, and it just kind of helps you balance your hormones altogether if you're a little bit more moderate in your exercise. But I would say as the third factor that reducing stress is the biggest issue here. Stress is such a huge component, and the thing that exercise can do for you is really help you feel happier and better, um, if that's what exercise does for you. Not everyone feels better with exercise. But reducing your stress is a huge thing. And if moving your body makes you feel better, that's a wonderful thing to know and a great tool that you can use as you're going through your journey. Because, you know, your fertility journey can take however long it takes and it can have a lot of ups and downs. And doing exercise and movement that you really love and it makes you feel good is such a wonderful thing. So that's kind of the biggest, honestly, once you talk to your doctor and once you've really kind of moderated your exercise, really finding something you love to do is a great idea. That's really interesting, Mari. And I, I just want to be really explicit and clear, just so everyone listening knows what we mean when you say outcomes are better. And so outcomes are better, meaning if you're someone who is looking to get pregnant, you would be able to get pregnant with decreased, you know, risk of potentially like a longer journey. Is that correct? Yeah. So outcomes, boy, outcomes can be tricky and they can have a lot of different ways of measuring. So yeah, it's it's sort of looking at averages. And, and this issue of averages is also important because in my opinion, and also just generally in the fitness world, there's so much concern about individual differences. So it's really tough to make generalizations about everyone. However, because the research is so young, we do look at averages. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so some things that I'm going to say today will be about 
average numbers that lead to better outcomes and the outcomes can really range from having a successful pregnancy to maybe even having more balanced hormones. There are a lot of things that these studies are looking at. So their conclusions can be really generalized and they're making assumptions about cause and effect relationships. We're also interested too in talking to specific doctors and their own experiences can really range. And so a lot of what we do as well is to talk to doctors and try to be consistent with doctors and our clients so that clients are feeling a consistent experience with their doctor and with us so that we're not telling them anything different than their doctor is telling them. Right. And I hear you. It's like, you know, in an ideal world, right? Individualized care, you have a good support team. That's incredible that nothing can replace that. But speaking to like general population from an education standpoint, I think that's really helpful just to get like super clear on what we're saying that all of this that we're going to talk about is really going to be based on the research, helpful for, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So I want to know when, at what point would you recommend to someone to begin making changes to their exercise routine? Like, is this going to be appropriate for, you know, all people of all exercise backgrounds? And I mean, I feel like I know the answer to that already, but like, (laughs) when would you start to recommend, like based on what you're seeing, okay, this is the time to think about making changes? Yeah, I think, you know, these things can actually vary for people. I want to know what the research says, even if it's my, you know, first time trying to get pregnant. So I think it's always, I think it's always helpful to be aware that, for example, try not to you know, get into such high intensity fitness if you're trying to get pregnant. This is something that I think anyone can benefit from. Timing can really range. Um, Some people say three months, it can sometimes take longer. I suggest that, you know, once you're starting to think about getting pregnant, that this might be the time that you check in with your doctor, you find out if they have any specific recommendations, you start looking, you know, thinking about the exercise that you're doing. And it's like kind of just whenever it occurs to you and you're starting to prepare for it, that might be a time when you're going to start thinking about changing your lifestyle a little bit, if only if you need to. But I, I just also wanted to point out that exercise really is, you know, one of so many factors and components. So I don't want people to get so overly stressed out about their exercise that, for example, they think they have to start exercising, let's say, if they don't like it. (laughs) I've actually talked to a few doctors who say to me, you know, we've seen some issues with people who are getting really stressed out about exercising. They don't like exercising, but they think they have to because it sounds like it's a good thing for them, but it's stressing them out in and of themselves. And so I say, if you don't like to exercise, but really, you know, just does not suit you, don't worry about it. But if you love it, and you're thinking about getting pregnant, you know, around the time you're thinking about it, I would say three to six months before you're really wanting to try. This is the time when you want to start looking into, you know, talking to your doctor and maybe changing um, your exercise routine just a little bit. In terms of high intensity exercise, question there, if I were listening to this, my first thought is kind of like, okay, well, sometimes I start a new, I don't know, I go to a new fitness class, like, And I feel like, man, that's really difficult. So how do I gauge that? Is this just really difficult because it's new to me? Like, let's say I go to a bar class and I just have never done bar before. And I'm like, this is really challenging. So how would you recommend to someone like who's looking to get into exercise 
and and that might bring them joy and they might enjoy it but like yeah. have that fear of is this too quote unquote high intensity for me yeah yeah so i just want to just say one more time that um and i'll probably say it many times actually here I would, I would try not to overthink it and try not to overstress. So first of all, these are not such cut and dry things because it's really going to range with people. And some kinds of um, fitness methods will feel really hard and some might feel easy to people. So there's going to be a range. Also, soreness is not necessarily a, a reflection of intensity. What I often tell people is pay attention to how you feel after you do something. Are you totally depleted afterwards? Does it make you utterly exhausted for the rest of the day? Does it interfere with your sleep to the point where you're feeling, this is not a technical term, but so jacked up <laughs> that you can't <laughs> sleep that night? That might be an indication that, wow, this is, and it's not just that something's hard, but that actually this really disrupts my body and really makes me feel so depleted that I can't function the rest of the day. I've certainly done that many times in my own exercise experience. I also want to point out that, you know, our connections, and this can lead to a whole nother topic of conversation another time, but our connections to our body can be really tricky because maybe in our lives we haven't really been experienced paying attention to our body. Maybe we don't know how, what that actually means. So I just want to acknowledge that and say, you know, it's, it's okay if you're not really, really sure. I might say that high intensity in terms of what the research shows has a little bit more to do with cardio rather than just is something hard. So it's it's doing a ton of cardio, doing it for many hours, maybe a day or a week. Um, general guidelines tend to say 30 to 60 minutes of exercise is recommended if you're in this zone of trying to get pregnant and not more than four hours a week are recommended. But again, it's individual differences there. But that might help be a guide for people in terms of how much to do. Yeah. And do you guys use like, in the fitness world, if you were working with someone who was navigating this journey, you know, would you use something like an RPE scale or like a rate of perceived exertion is what that stands for something yes. like that? Yes. Okay. I, I like that. I like the rate of perceived exertion. I like that because it really honors you as an individual. And that, you know, you see sometimes even in the pregnancy world where there, you know, there's been a change from using a certain heart rate for the same people, you, that you can't go above a certain heart rate and that's the same for everybody. They've kind of switched to, and I say they, the research has shown that, that you can switch to more of a perceived exertion level because everyone's going to perceive exertion differently. So yeah, I might say that, you know, this is about your perceived exertion. Some people might have a longer history with exercise than others, you know, and so they're going to have a different response to it. Could you give us a rundown of what the RPE or level of perceived exertion, whatever we want to call it, what that is and how someone would use it to guide their exercise? Yeah. So um, rate of perceived exertion is usually rated on, you know, a scale of one to 10. Um, and we usually define, so like, you know, one being, I don't feel like this is a lot of exertion and 10 feeling like this is the most that I can possibly exert my body. And usually moderate exertion is defined as between about five to eight. Um, and it's usually the range where um, you can still talk, you can still have a conversation, you can still breathe pretty well. And then above eight, like eight to 10 is when you're at the point where you're getting to having that lack of ability to hold on a conversation and it's getting really extreme. 
But I do want to say, I just want to go back to the fact that the research in fertility is really thin and also doctors really range. So this idea of going above an eight, let's say, and getting into eight, nine, 10, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It just means that if you're the person who really thinks that for you to have the benefits of exercise, it needs to be absolutely and utterly so intense for you that you're on the floor by the end of a workout every single time. And and that's your usual. I would just say, if you're trying to get pregnant, consider moderating, consider bringing that intensity down. If you have one workout, <laughs> that's insane, you know, and maybe you weren't expecting it. You go to a class and you're like, whoa, that was just so intense. Oh my God, I won't be able to get pregnant. The research hasn't necessarily looked into that one experience that you have one time. And I also really don't want women to blame themselves for their lifestyle choices. There are so many factors that contribute to fertility. So I just really want to calm, you know, people down in terms of like how stressed to be about this whole thing. You know, we've talked to doctors who work in the fertility space who are marathon runners and who do a lot of cardio and who don't feel like it's a bad thing at all and people can run and that's fine especially if you're up for it maybe try not to start a whole new running marathon regimen when you're trying to get pregnant but i i just really want to point out that the doctors we speak to have a really pretty wide range of what they're reporting in their patients well let's talk about some of these other factors so turns out that current weight can influence fertility. So weight is tricky, right? Because there's that number on a scale, there's BMI, but then how relevant is that to your body Mm -hmm. size, your health? And there's a lot of research coming out on how diet culture can be unsustainable. So I'm curious on your thoughts on to, you know, how can someone approach this recommendation that I do think a lot of people hear and know, and Mm -hmm. I I think there's a lot of weight bias in our medical society too. So people get that recommendation of you're too skinny or you're too large. And like, as related to fertility, how can people approach that recommendation in a way that's holistic and, and safe? Yeah, I absolutely love that you're asking this question because as a company, we are really concerned about the way we think about fitness and its connection to our bodies. We are not supportive in general of people using fitness just for the sake of having a certain look or being a certain weight. We are concerned with fitness being a functional process for you and bringing you joy and having other benefits. And that's the thing that keeps exercise in our lives in a safe and healthy and wonderful holistic way. So that's, you know, having me time, um, feeling less stressed, feeling strong, feeling capable, and also supporting us at these particular times where fitness might be able to be supportive. I will say the flip side is that there are certain specific, you know, weight recommendations in the world of fertility only because, and it's usually more in the outer ranges of either being underweight or overweight or having too low a body fat percentage or too high a body fat percentage that has been shown to interfere with fertility. So you can, we have plenty of people who come to us being underweight as well as overweight. And I recommend in those cases that you talk to your doctor because your doctor will be the one who is the most aware of what you need to do to get into the right range. And some people 
actually need to, if they're going to choose exercise, they need to be concerned about not exercising at a caloric deficit if the concern is that they don't lose any more weight. On the flip side, exercise can be really, really helpful. Even a small degree of weight loss can be really helpful in helping people increase their likelihood to, to have a baby. I'm just going to put that out there. But we are very concerned as a company when we, you know, work with people, whatever range they're trying to be in, to talk about the, their connection to their bodies and to exercise in ways that are more supportive to who they are, where they are, rather than any kind of shame or depletion cycle. I think it's really helpful how you framed it as, hey, both exist, you know, like here, there are these recommendations based on the research, but also it's individual and you can participate in exercise in a way that feels good to you and maybe not be within that exact, you know, range yes. or whatever. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, when you first asked me, what are my top three recommendations or three factors that are most important in fertility, the stress reduction piece really is the most important. So I do want to acknowledge some people hate exercising. So I don't want to, you know, force people to do it if they hate it. And that might be a source of stress. So that might not be the choice they make. But if if movement can be helpful to you, boy, can it be so helpful to you. And there's so many ways it can be. For me, I love music and music makes me want to move. So my physical connection to music is my source of joy as a dancer and as a fitness professional. You know, and it doesn't have to be a particular kind of fitness. It could just be, you know, you listen to music you love and you go for a walk and you're kind of jamming on your walk. Or it could be just jamming out in your room, doing a little dance, you know, that you love to do. It can be, you know, yoga. It can be anything that you have found, whether it's currently or in the past, that makes you feel good do it. That's what I recommend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love the jamming out to music on your walk thing. Great. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. We should all really do that more often. Um, I do. I do it all the time. Would your recommendation change at all if you were speaking to someone who, who has had some losses, maybe some miscarriages? I, I, oh boy, that's a tough question. I would say the problem is that we have a tendency to blame women for their lifestyle choices. And I think that's a really big mistake. And we blame ourselves for our lifestyle choices. And so therefore, you know, and I and I get it too. We're going to be looking for reasons why we have trouble and why we're having miscarriages or why we're having issues. And, and we, we just berate ourselves so much. And we do that in society so much. And there's so many factors. Exercise is such a small part of it. I would be concerned if you're really, 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 you know, high intensity with your fitness approach. But otherwise, you know, I, I would find out from your doctor what other factors could be involved as well and know that it might not even be your body at all. It could be your partner's. So, I mean, I think if you are really struggling, maybe just being more aware of the average guidelines is helpful because that information helps me. But if it overwhelms you, don't worry use movement to feel better, talk to your doctor. Just based on your personal and professional experience, how do you recommend reducing stress? Mm. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that a good so one? Many ways. <laughs> that is a really good one. During, I love it. During um, the fertility process, I should say that. Yeah. The journey. Yeah. So yeah. And are you specifically asking about fitness? Because I can certainly talk to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fitness and, and anything else that you've picked up, you know, while working yeah. with clients or just your own experiences. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Then that's going to broaden beyond fitness. <laughs> um, well, I will actually start by talking about breathing. Um, breath work is a really powerful tool. And when I mean breath work, breath work can appear in so many different modalities. Meditation uses a lot of focus on breath. We focus on breath a lot in our fitness work. Learning how to breathe in a way that helps you relax is a really wonderful tool to have. And we often tell people to try breathing deeper into their lower rib cage out to all sides of their body, exhaling a little slower than your inhale. So something like that has a really great effect on your vagus nerve and therefore your parasympathetic nervous system, which helps you calm down and think that you're not so much in danger anymore. If you're feeling stressed, a lot of times that's your body telling you you're in danger in so many different ways. Finding even just a minute to do some nice, you know, big inhales and exhale slowly. Try to inhale lower into your body, not up into your shoulders and neck. Doing some meditation work is wonderful. And that, as I mentioned, includes breath work. Going on walks, I'm finding that going on long walks has been helpful because I'm in nature and I'm doing this kind of rhythmic movement that just calms me down. I listen to podcasts I love while I'm doing it. Music is to me is so healing. I listen to music I love. Depends on my mood. I might be in an energized mood. I might be in a really low key mood and I try to, you know, match music to that experience. For me personally, exercise has been my very favorite way to decrease anxiety. I wake up with anxiety. So, you know, doing some kind of movement in the morning really, really helps me, whether it's working with a client or doing my own workout. I find, you know, this idea of intuitive movement, finding something that feels really good. Maybe if you are a person who likes to kind of jam out to music, pay attention to how you're moving and maybe do that a little bit more. That means that that's what your body likes and wants to do. So try it. I recommend in the fitness realm, finding if you love taking classes, finding instructors you really respond to. That personal connection really helps. Having a good relationship with a trainer can be really wonderful in reducing stress and having a chance to talk to people about what's going on in your life at the same time, because we do talk to our clients about so many things while we're working out. I am a huge uh, proponent of therapy, talk therapy, whether it's talking to your friends or seeing someone um, in a more you know specific context is really great. I could go on and on. I'm an anxious person. So these are, you know, I really relate to people that are feeling stressed during this time. These are all the tools that I use. So I think you're hard pressed these days to find people who don't have some level of anxiety, you know, like especially love the long walks because that's something that I picked up recently. We got a dog. I started going on long walks. Yeah. Huge. It is. It's so huge. And I also wanted to just quickly, I know you didn't specifically ask this, but I think people can be left after this conversation being confused about like, well, how should I exercise if I can't do, like, what does this cardio, like too much cardio mean? And I just wanted to touch on that too. I'm not saying don't do cardio. Please feel free to do cardio. It can be the thing that really helps, you know, release endorphins and make you feel good. I just recommend maybe mixing it with some sculpting muscle work, whether that's, you know, a certain type of weight training or body weight work. Um, so I just wanted to add that in too. Is, um, and then all that those other movements that I told you about, like whether it's walking or yoga or gardening, or that can just be really great for your body. Let's wrap up great. with our case study to share a little bit more of how these things that we've talked about can be applied to real life. So the first thing that I want to know is just what are some key things we should know about this person? Yeah. She came to us in her early 30s. She had had some miscarriages and issues with IVF, just that wasn't successful in that process a few cycles and was also doing, so she was in New York City and this was a time 
and it's still true to this day, but it was especially in the early age of the fitness, you know, boutique fitness boom, where, you know, it was all about high intensity exercise and lots of cardio in these classes. And she was taking a lot of these classes and her doctor recommended that she consider reducing her intensity and perhaps choosing um, a fitness method that was not like overly gentle because we're not overly gentle, but was just a little bit more moderate for her and had a little bit more of a sculpting focus. So she came to us as a private client and that was what she was facing. During your initial session with her, was there anything that stood out to you? Like what, what were the first recommendations that you were giving her? And then some of the things that you worked on with her during your sessions? Yeah, mostly it was um, just, you know, looking at what she was doing in the past and just getting a sense of her history um, and finding something that still challenged her. But we reduced the cardio percentage of what we were doing with her versus what she had done in the past and much more full body sculpting. And that's really what made her happy. It was definitely challenging. We, we, when we work in our fitness method, we do work to muscle exhaustion. If you do bar methods at all, you might be familiar with that kind of approach that's sort of along the lines of the way we approach our fitness work in, you know, we use dance principles. So there's some dance in there. We don't require you to be a dancer at all, but there's a lot of, you know, movements and posture work that is taken from the dance world and the way that we work with people. So um, it's hard to say specifically because a lot of our, the exercise experiences are improvised based on where someone is that day. So it's also kind of like, we'll ask her, you know, how are you feeling today? Are you, did you get enough sleep? Like, where are you? It kind of gives us an indication of what they need and maybe even, you know, where their hormones are, whether they're in their cycle in a way that they need to be, you know, more calmed down in their exercise or whether they have more energy. So if she had a lot of energy that day, maybe we could do more. If she was feeling, you know, sleepy or stressed out, you know, we would just, you know, adjust the workout accordingly to what made her feel good. Um, so I know that's really general, but that's how, that's our philosophy and how we approach our private training. How did you collaborate with her doctor? How, how did her doctor guide those sessions with you and, and her fitness? Yeah. So in that particular case, we were not talking specifically with her doctor, you know, us to them. It was more like, you know, we would ask her questions to ask her doctor. That's, that's what we'll do a lot if we don't know their doctor specifically, it was basically like, you know, finding out from her through her doctor, what were their recommendations? And they were actually, with her in particular, they were a little bit more general. It wasn't like, I want you to do this specifically, and then I want you to do that specifically. It was more like, please don't do as high intensity as you were. <laughs> Calm yeah. it down. Don't do as much cardio. And so, you know, it was much more about if we did cardio in shorter bursts, like a much higher percentage of sculpting work that wasn't to like crazy, crazy, crazy high intensity. It was more like, you know, sculpting work that felt good, but was challenging to her with less cardio. What was the end result? Yeah, I, you know, and I just wanted to add because I, you know, wasn't thinking of this in my answer in my last time, but this is actually an important point. She was going through IVF. So mm. I do want to add here, I haven't talked about it specifically yet today. The IVF process itself is very unique and that does require some conversation with your doctor. We also are aware that you're going through IVF before egg retrieval. It's actually quite important to ask your doctor, but, but to really 
consider not exercising um, a certain number of days before and a certain number of days after your egg retrieval. Usually it's about a week and before and then, um, but your doctor might recommend longer. And then it's a week to maybe something like 10 days after your egg retrieval. And this is because your ovaries are, you know, I, to use a non-technical uh, term, swollen. <laughs> and they have a tendency potentially to twist on the ligament because you are, you know, increasing the number of eggs someone's producing and you're causing, you know, the enlargement of the ovaries. So you have to really avoid torsion of the ovaries. So this is why you really don't want to exercise right before and right after. And we also ask the doctor the recommendation for that timing. So I just wanted to make sure I said that. But the outcome <laughs> was that she actually she got pregnant. We didn't make her pregnant. We just supported her. But she did have a baby. Um, we worked out with her during her pregnancy too. And after she had another baby naturally, which was really lucky for her. And we trained her through that time as well. So we're really proud of that. I don't want to take credit for any of it, just helping her in this process feel better. Um, and so I'm really excited that it turned out that way. Well, I'm sure that, you know, of course, the guidance with the training and the fitness and helping her feel good, but also just the support that you all provide, I'm sure meant a lot to her. So so thankful that you took the time to come join me and talk about fitness and fertility and the guidelines and to not be stressed about it all. So I really appreciate your time, your knowledge. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And I just want to make sure everyone knows where they can find you, how they can hear about you. Yes, absolutely. Follow us on Instagram at body conceptions, all one word. Check us out at bodyconceptions.com. That's www.bodyconceptions.com. That's our website. We do free consultations. So either DM us or um, reach out to us through our website. We're happy to talk to you. I promise I won't push anything on you. I just want to answer any questions that you have. We also have an on-demand fitness platform that you can access through our website as well. It has, you know, actual workouts and um, has some information as well, some pre and postnatal material and just regular workouts. And then, yes, we do a lot of Instagram lives, a lot of content that gives you little tidbits of information, but um, I'm just happy to give it you too if you want to reach out. Flight by Pelvidol is approved for pelvic floor strengthening and SUI only. All information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace medical advice. Always seek out a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have about a medical condition. And if you have a question about flight and its indications for use, please see our website at flighttherapy.com. And that's it. See you next time on the next episode of Pelvic Floor at its Core.